title of my message this morning is, What is the Holy Spirit saying to the church? What the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit is saying to the church. If you re read over in, in Revelation, it talks, there's like five churches there that, that, that uh, is written about and what Jesus comments about each one of those churches. And uh, this is a little bit scary for me. I'm just going to be real transparent with you right now because I'm going to talk about certain churches in our culture and in our world today. And um, please hear this part. I'm not here to, to dog people or dog churches, but I think that we need to keep our eyes open. We need to be awake. And if we're not careful, humanity will enter into the church. Amen. And then God goes, Hmm. Now that's not that's not what's in my word, but you you're going off on a different direction than what I want you to go off on. And so if we're not careful, we as individuals, we will buy into human reasoning. And when we buy into human reasoning that is not God anointed. Then we have issues, and that's what he's talking about. And, and I just encourage you to go back to Revelation chapter 1, and you can read through it, uh, the different churches, what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, by now, by now we, we know, if you were here last week, we know that the church is not a denomination. I'm waiting on you here. <laughs> the church isn't a building. The Bible says that we are the temple. Everybody say, I am the temple. <laughs> I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, I'm the church, you're the church. Anybody ever get off in left field and think that you had a little revelation from God? And then you actually read the Bible, and you're like, ooh, I guess I wasn't right. <laughs> Who hasn't done that? Who has not done that? And if we're not careful, no, oh, by the way, let me just say this, preface. When it comes to religions, God is not confused. He's not up there going, hmm, I never thought about that. <laughs> He's not up there saying, you know what? If you really want, if you think that that's the best religion, it's not the way God operates. God has given his word, anointed his word, and he has made it available to the church, to the people. And because he's made that available to each one of us, we have to be careful that we don't get distracted and deceived but that the word of God is living and powerful, is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even to the bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And it says that he is a rewarder of those, the church, the church people. He is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek after him. And I'm just going to add this without their own agenda. There's a lot of agendas. Gracious, I'm going to preach about him. Revelation chapter 3, verse 13. 
He who has an ear. Anybody got an ear? We good so far. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Then I would just throw in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. Not by might nor by power, but my, by my Spirit saith the Lord. By his spirit, what the Holy Spirit says to us, and the Holy Spirit of God, is said, whenever Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, I'll not leave you comfortless. I will send the spirit to guide you, to direct you, to give you power, to overcome issues in your life, and to have the wisdom to live a godly life, because I'm going to give you my word, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, me, the church. October, October the 31st in 1517. Anybody remember? Oh, probably not. It's probably too, too far back. There was an Augustinian monk named Martin Luther, and he posted 95 theses on the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. That might seem strange to us, but in it was a normal manner of conducting scholarly debates in Luther's day as evidenced by the preface to the 95 Thesis. And here's what it said. Out of love and truth, love for the truth and from desire to elucidate it, in other words, to bring light to the truth, the Reverend Father Martin Luther, Master of Arts and Sacred Theology and Ordinary Lecturer therein in Wittenberg, intends to defend the following statements and to dispute on them in that place. Therefore, he asks that those who cannot be present and dispute with him orally shall do so in their absence by letter in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, what followed was a list of 95 propositions or doctrinal positions. People today, they say, man, I don't want to, I, I don't think we ought to have all those doctrines. There's just too many doctrines in the church. Let me tell you something. There's good doctrines and then there's bad doctrines. The good doctrines are the doctrines that are supported by the word of God. Yeah. And if that's not in the word of God, then we... Uh, Man got in the middle of it. What followed was a list of of 95 propositions or doctrinal positions that had involved the Roman Catholic Church that Luther wanted to debate. This list included propositions such as when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he willed the, the entire life of a believer to be one of repentance. And he used Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, where it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's why we have communion. It says, We do show the Lord's death till what? Till he comes. So that's that's the word. Another one was, It is vain to trust in salvation by indulgence letters. Even though the indulgence commissary or even the Pope were to offer his soul as security. Now, I know I'm wading off into deep water here. 
And it, we have a lot of people here that have Catholic backgrounds. And I just want you to know what I'm saying here is it's important. But what, and back in the 1500s, the Pope would sell indulgences so that they could get enough money to build St. Peter's Basilica. Indulgences <clears throat> is so that you can indulge in certain things and you could call off, you could cut out so much time in purgatory the more indulgences you bought. Sounds great. <laughs> Who wouldn't want some of that, right? And they even made it cool because all of the, if, if you didn't have a lot of money, you could, it was, it was dependent on how, how rich you were, how much you had to pay and what you got for what you paid for. So it was just like, it was real user friendly. The true treasure of the church is the most holy gospel of the glory of grace in God. The church had, through indulgences, taken the role of forgiveness of sin. We know, however, that only Jesus, the supreme sacrifice, the Lamb of God, is the only one that has the authority to take away sin. For millennia, it has always been man's temptation to take authority that only belongs to God. By the way, let me just say this. They let me pastor this church. You get to looking at me and you put me up on a pedestal, shame on you. Shame on you. I, I'm a man just like you men are. Darla's a woman, just like you. We, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we also understand that if we confess our sin, that he will be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Lamb of God is the only one who has the authority to take away our sin. And we all huddle up at the foot of the cross because we know that Jesus is there for us. Yeah. But if we're not careful, we will. Some people really like to be elevated. And it doesn't matter if you're roping steers in the arena, you're playing golf. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Some people, they just get, mm. I'm so spiritual, spiritual. But the truth is that we, the scripture says this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I don't care what title we have. Every man, every woman, every boy and every girl, we have all sinned. Because we all have the sin nature in us. Even though Jesus resides in us, we still have to fight against the temptation of sin. This, this is what the Pope had to fight, but he didn't do a good job of fighting it because he thought that the church would be more advantageous. The St. Peter's Basilica would be much better served for the church. And so he began to 
think the way man thinks. Nobody is infallible. Because later on, the church, the the, the Roman Catholic Church said they should not be doing that. After the thesis, they stopped doing that, except for the dead. Because the dead can't speak for themselves, so they, they still have indulgences for those who have died, and you can still give money. It's not biblical, but it's what a lot of people believe. And we have to be careful that we don't buy into what is not biblically sound doctrine. Man's temptation to take authority that only belongs to God has always been here. Also given into temptation to elevate man to be equal with God or to take on the role of God or to eliminate God from the agenda altogether. There are churches, the, the LDS church, for instance, the, the Mormons, they will baptize for the dead. Like if you're not a Mormon and you have you have people, they can baptize for you and bring you back out so that you, you, don't, you don't spend time in purgatory. And it's just a challenge for, of, of bondage in the sin nature of controlling. Remember I talked about the sin nature? Any church that is controlling of anybody You have to do this. The church, I'm talking about the religious church. Y'all looking at me like, man, I can't believe this preacher's talking like this. But I got to say this. I'm telling you, I have to answer for God. I'm not here to please man. I'm here to please God. And we got to know these things. If somebody doesn't get up and talk about it, nobody's going to. We can't be intimidated But I'm going to tell you, the sin nature in us intimidates, manipulates, and controls. And the sin nature in religion intimidates, manipulates, and controls. Projects should never be more important than people. Jesus didn't die for projects. He died for people. (laughs) Hmm. Luther's goal was to reform the Roman Catholic Church. And in a way he did to a degree. However, he was eventually excommunicated and he became the leader of the Protestant Reformation. I believe that a reflection of the church in Sardis in Revelation 3, 1 through 6 will help us understand and consider the present need for reformation in our world today and in our church. How you, however you want to put it, the church today needs help. We need to know who we are. We also need to know what the Spirit is saying to the church. When I grew up, I grew up in church, and uh, people would get off have little tangents about things. And one, one, 
one day my dad pastored the church and they had communion on Wednesday night. And this, there was a guy in church that got really upset because they had communion on Wednesday night. And he said, everybody knows you're supposed to have communion on Sunday morning. And dad explained to him, he says, he said, uh, the, the scripture says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me until I come here. It says, it didn't say when you should do it. It says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And this guy got up in my dad's face, and I've, I've never seen my dad like this before. He, but before he gave his heart to the Lord, he used to box golden gloves. And, uh, <laughs> and this guy started chest bumping him, and he told this guy, he said, you better back off or I'm going to give you the whipping you need right now. <laughs> it's on the church sidewalk. This is perfect. I was like. <laughs> Jesus' Jesus' message to the church in Sardis teaches us about the world's present need for reformation. The first thing in, in uh, Revelation 3, 1 and 2, there was a rebuke from Jesus. Now, who enjoys being rebuked? I mean, it's like, man, bring me, bring me some more of that rebuke. Huh? I, just, I don't like that. Nobody enjoys it, but do we need it? We, I, I'm saying today, if some of this ain't sitting right with you, I just invite you to get into the Word of God and spend some time in prayer because our pride will, will mess us up and it'll say, it'll say, I'm not going to accept that rebuke. And really, honestly, that's, God's going to let you make any choice and any decision you make about what the preacher's talking about. Amen. He's not going to make you. And honestly, if, if, if I was one of those churches that, that said that you got to do this and you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to confess to me. And you, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of hoops to jump through. And what it is, it's controlling and, it, and it's kind of intimidating and it's kind of manipulative. But I want you to know the reason Jesus died on the cross was so you could have access to Jesus. You don't have to go through a high priest to get access to Jesus. There are a lot of people that you got to go through the church. You got to go through me to get forgiveness of sin. Let me tell you something. That is not true. You can go directly to the throne of God. The Bible says that we cry Abba Father, which is Father, Daddy. It's like we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God, and we can run in boldly, the Bible says, into the throne of grace, and we can be accepted by God himself because of the living sacrifice of the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. And we don't have to jump through those hoops. We just have to accept Jesus as our personal Savior and let him have his way yeah. in us. So he rebuked him in verse 1. It says, the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He says, I know your works. You have a reputation. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up, he says, and strengthen what remains and is about to die. 
for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. You remember, we're the church, right? So let's get out of this mindset <clears throat> that we're thinking about other denominations or other religions or we're thinking about something else. Let's be the church like we preached about. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And what he meant was he said, I will build you. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, the church, because we are all individually the church. We've got to keep this in mind while we're reading this. So the city of Sardis had at one time been an extremely prosperous city. Uh, King Croesus reigned there with his fabulous wealth until the city fell to the Persian king Cyrus in 17 AD. Sardis was devastated by an earthquake and the Roman emperor Tiberius remitted taxes for five years so that the city could be rebuilt. It did once again become a great city, but not like it in its glory days. We know nothing about the start of the church of Sardis, nor of its progress, other than what is given here in Revelation chapter 3. This is, just, this is all we know. But he said, I know your works. You have a reputation. Everybody say, I have a reputation. <laughs> we all have a reputation, right? Every one of us have a reputation. My mama told me, she said, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, but you can lose it in five minutes. You all, we all have a reputation. You have a reputation for being alive, that you are alive, but then he said, you are dead. What a devastating critique by all appearance. The church seemed to be progressive and dynamic, up and coming. This, this, was, a, I, this was like a cool church. Connecting with the culture and the community, there seemed to be life and vigor in the church. Have you ever really just been going through life and then you got bored and you said, I, I need to change something? I think that, I'm like, we're down here roping. I'm like, I got to change something. And then it doesn't work. And then I got to change something else. And then it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh. And then if, if you're golfing, you're like, I got to get, get some new clubs. I got to get some. <laughs> I got to sell that horse. And you know, I mean, it's, it's just in, in church. I'm going to go to another church. Well, that, it, What's really interesting about when people switch churches sometimes, they, they, they come over to this church and they say, well, we did it this way over at this other church. My question is then, why'd you leave if you liked it so much? <laughs> we have to be careful. Listen, we have to be careful that we don't get bored with Jesus. Not to have a reputation for being alive, but we don't have, we're not, we're not really moving. We're just kind of existing. That's what's happening in Sardis. You see, the church was busy and active in all kinds of ministry, but their actions did not meet with God's approval. Just because we have the name of church doesn't mean that we're being godly. So verse 2b, it says, I have not found your works complete in, my, in the sight of my God. Why is this so? We get a hint of the problem in verse 4. Jesus says, 
Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments. This is figurative language for, and it refers to sin. The Greek historian Herodotus, I think that's how you say it, <laughs> said that Sardis was a city that had a reputation for lax morals, for standards, lax moral standards and sexual immorality. A lot like our culture today, don't you think? And if we're not careful, we'll buy into what the culture says is acceptable and not acceptable. And if they bully us enough, we're like, oh, okay. You just get tired of hearing it. Let me tell you something. We still have to stand up against immorality. Still have to. So apparently those lax standards had impacted the church in Sardis and the worldliness of Sardis became the worldliness of the church in Sardis as well. So Martin Luther's criticism of the church in his day sounded a lot, a lot like Jesus' rebuke to Sardis. Luther saw a church that seemed to have an outward reputation for being alive, but it had lost the message of the gospel. There was lots of activity but it did not approve, have God's approval. And the worldliness of the church was not being addressed. In fact, one of the concerns that prompted Luther to post the 95 Thesis was the sale of indulgences. People bought these indulgences and then sinned because they believed that their souls were saved for eternity. In other words, they got a day pass. What's another word for self-indulgence? Related words for self-indulgence like hedonism, excess, intemperance, greed, debauchery, depravity, moral corruption, wickedness, dissipation, dissipated living, a descent into drunkenness and sexual dissipation, dissolution, the, the closing down or dismissal of an assembly, par partnership, or official body, the dissolution of a marriage, intemperateness, indulgence in the Roman Catholic Church, the grant for the Pope to re of remission of the temporal punishment in purgatory still due for sins after absolution. The unrestricted sale of indulgences by partners was a widespread abuse during the Middle Ages and also escapism. These are indulgences. Y'all stay with me. These are indulgences. I don't know if anybody's interested in any of these indulgences or not. And it's easy to be critical of something that happened in the 1500s. The human nature has not changed. Escapism. What is it? The indulgence of escapism. What is that? The tendency to seek distraction and relief from unpleasant realities. Especially by seeking entertainment or engaging in fantasy, virtual reality offers a form of escapism. <clears throat> I'll just let the Holy Spirit talk to you about all that. What about our day? Would Jesus rebuke churches today, 500 years after this Reformation? 
By the way, we still, we now realize that we as born again believers are still the church. Would Jesus rebuke the church today? Someone gave an example of an evangelical church in Philadelphia that disturbed, that distributed a brochure giving 10 reasons to visit their Sunday evening service. The air conditioning feels great. Coffee and goodies for everyone after every service. The music is upbeat and easy to sing. You get to meet some really neat people. The sermon is always relevant every day. You can sleep in on Sundays and still make it to church on time. Child care and children's church are provided free parking. You can go to the shore for the weekend and still make it to the church on Sunday night. You will discover an awesome God who cares about you. Sounds pretty great, doesn't it? <laughs> so this man went on to, on to say that uh, this church brochure reminded him of an advertising brochure that he had seen several years earlier. The attractive people on the cover of the brochure said, this is where it's at. Inside the brochure, brochure was the following headings. It's about family. It's about style. It's about giving. It's about fun. It's about the best way to please everybody. It's about caring. He then went on to say, actually, the bro brochure was an advertisement for Liberty Tree Mall in Danvers, Massachusetts. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples, followers of Christ. He also said, I will make you fishers of men. That's why we give donuts. We got bait out there. So I think we're still <laughs> biblical with the donuts. You got to have a little bait if you're a fisherman. But I'm going to tell you something. We can never attempt to replace the presence of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit with projects and uh, uh, activities that we do. We come. I know why you come to church. You come to church because you want to be in the presence of God. And that's why I come. I want to hear the word of God. And I want to make sure that God is speaking to me as an individual. And that I have access to him. That I can speak back to him. Whether in church or wherever I go. Because I am the church. I can take God with me wherever I go. He says his spirit doesn't dwell in temples made by man's hands. But our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't think we can say that enough. Man, I got about half through. <sighs> the remedy of Jesus, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Be watchful. In other words, as my daddy used to say, pay attention. Be watchful and strengthen what remains. What is good, what is left in you, and what's left in me, even though we have, may have been tainted by the world, there's stuff inside of each one of us that God wants to bring out. It says, uh, things which remain that are ready to die for, to ready to die for, I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you receive, have received 
and heard. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. When's the last time you repented? <laughs> Thank you. Me too. I repent all the time. Do you know why? He said, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I need God's forgiveness. That's not just something we do when we ask Jesus to come into our heart. We need to stay in right standing with God. We have a part to play in our righteousness. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, but God also said that our faith without works is dead. He said there's some dead things inside of you and the faith inside of you needs to rise up and understand that God's going to do his part, but we also must be willing to do our part. So he hold fast, repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what our I will come upon you. Preacher named John MacArthur said this. He said uh, that the church needed to wake up, that they needed to look at what was happening in the church, elevate the situation, get involved in changing things, confront sin and error, and make a difference. Second, the church in Sardis needed to strengthen what remained that was about to die. The faithful few were still active and, and persevering, but maybe not real healthy. Or, or, if you were to gauge your health, do you ever go to the doctor or the chiropractor and he says, how's your pain? One to ten. You hear me say that? How healthy are you spiritually? One to ten. It's a good question. Third, the church in Sardis needed to remember then that they had received and what they'd received and heard. The people of God and the church had received and heard the word of God. And then they needed to put it in practice. You see, if there's no sound practice, the sound doctrine is worthless. If there's no sound practice of the word of God, the sound doctrine is worthless. God's people must be obedient to his word. It's not enough just to know the word. I know a lot of people that know the Bible really good, but they're not no fun to be around there. I mean, they're miserable people. Looks like they're baptizing pickle juice. I mean, it's like, <laughs> who'd want to be around them? We got to put it into action. Amen? Church needed to repent. Then we have the promise of God. The promise, it says you have have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes. Everybody say that word. He who overcomes. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Those are strong words, are they not? He says, I'm not going to erase your name, but you have to overcome. You have to do your part and live by faith and accept the word of God and then act on the word of God. I got to quit. 
some of the some of the Martin Luther's followers they revolted, uh, and there was there was a uh, a, a war that that happened uh, with the. The, a peasants war. You might have read about the peasants war in 1524 to 1526. And it was formed and they called it the Evangelical Brotherhood. And by the end of the year, there were 30,000 farmers in arms in southern Germany refusing to pay state taxes, church tithe, feudal dues, in March 1525, they drafted and circulated a document called the 12 Articles, which they claimed uh, their right to choose their own pastor, pay only just tithe, be considered as free men rather than serfs, enjoy fair rents, and make other reasonable demands. Martin Luther, <clears throat> he didn't back these people up. At the end of the day, there was a 132 there was 130,000 farmers that died in this revolt. And what was good and became, be, began as something good to make, the, to make the people more healthy, it turned into bad. So I'm just talking about the church. I'm just talking about us. God's put something really good in all of us. Amen? Amen. He's put something really healthy in all of us. Don't get bored with good things. Don't think that I've just got to change something and then change something for the worse. Build up what God has put in you and live and strive for what God has. Sometimes indulgences can be really attractive. Nobody wants to say anything. <laughs> but the question is, do we buy into indulgences that we make up for ourselves thinking, hey, I'll be okay and I can make this up myself. And, and then we just go ahead and indulge in things that we feel like we want to indulge in. It's easy to judge something that happened 1,500, 500 years ago. But the God of compromise, y'all with me? Can never rule our hearts. And we all have that temptation to indulge. I'm waiting on you now. I said, I said we all have that temptation to indulge. We really do. And especially the ones of y'all that think you don't. My goodness. So my challenge to you today is to take inventory. To stop judging other people. Stop bringing condemnation on other people but actually investigating the Word of God and reflecting your life from what the Word of God actually says. And I'm going to tell you, it's a journey. It's not going to happen overnight, but you can't get bored with the journey. 
Be faithful to God. Because when you make it about God, he'll always, always, always make it about you. Don't be making it about yourself. You, you make it about God. Then let him make it about you. And it'll work out a lot better for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. I just, I just pray, oh God, that you would just, uh, Holy Spirit, right now, anything that has been said in this message, oh God, that is good, just, right, scripturally truth, I pray, Lord, that it would impact our lives, oh God, that Holy Spirit, that you would do your work in our hearts and our minds, our bodies and our souls, oh God. We surrender our lives to you again, and I pray, oh God, that you, your word would not return void, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for your rebuke, for your conviction. I thank you, Lord, for your faith in us. Help us to exercise our faith in you and to be the people of God that you created us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed for just a second. Keep your eyes closed. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, the first step in knowing Jesus is accepting him as your personal Savior. The scripture says we already preached about it, that we've all sinned, all come short of the glory of God. But you must be born again. That's what Jesus said. We didn't make that up. Jesus said you have to accept him as your Savior and be born of the Spirit. You are already born of the flesh from your mama, but Jesus said you must be born of the Spirit, and only the Spirit of God can make you be born again when you invite him to come into your life. So today, if you've never done that, or maybe if you haven't, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand and saying, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. Thank you, partner. Leave your, leave your hand up till we get a Bible in it, please. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Yep, thank you, partner. I'm so proud of you. Leave your hand up till we get a Bible. Anybody else? Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now. That's, that's, that, if you feel a conviction inside of you, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. He's, 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 he wants you to come in his kingdom. So proud of you guys. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Amen. If you raised your hand, would you mind looking up at me? Would you mind coming up and praying with me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? I'd be honored to. Come on, buddy. Yeah, thank you, buddy. I'm proud of you. Bless you, my friend. Come on, buddy. Bless your heart. So proud of you. I'm so proud of you, my friend. Look here. Here's what the Bible says. I already told you, but we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. That's the deal. It says we'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal death. And, and you don't have to pay any indulgences or nothing because Jesus paid the price. He paid the price. That's what's so, it makes me fall in love with him every time I say that because he, so, he wants us to be in his kingdom so bad. So I want to pray for you and pray with you, okay? Can you all just repeat after me? Y'all help us. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus. thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. 
Help me to read my Bible. To pray. Show up for church. And get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. I'm so proud of you guys. Bless you. So proud of you guys. It's worth it, buddy. I love you. Look at here. Look at here. Go visit these guys for just a sec, if you don't mind, okay? Go over and visit with them. I'm so proud of you guys. Stand with me, please. I don't even know what to say right now. I'm so grateful. Um, today, I just feel like this is kind of a sobering moment. Does that make sense? It's kind of a sobering moment for all of us. Hopefully, we can take inventory of our lives. And if there's some deception that we've bought into, I trust you, and I believe that God trusts you to deal with that. Today, before you lay your head down on your pillow tonight, I just challenge everybody to kneel down and, and talk to God about your stuff. Let him talk back to you. And sometimes if you have ears to hear, your, your mouth has to stop moving so you can hear something. It's hard to listen while you're talking. But God wants you to talk to him, but he also wants you to listen to him. Amen. And I can stay and talk to you all forever, but we got more people coming. <laughs> I love you. Let's all raise our hands and surrender to God right now, if you don't mind. Lord, we surrender to you. You see our hands and with our hands lifted up and our mouth filled with praise, with the heart of thanksgiving, we bless you, O Lord. I pray, you, Lord, for everybody here today. Help us all, O God, to, to understand how much you care for us, how much you love us, and how much you want the very best for us. Help us not to buy into the logic of the world or to buy into the, to the deception of our human thinking. But, Lord, we may be always understand your word and be, be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We love y'all. God bless you. Got our prayer team. If you need special prayer, love to have you.